Welcome back, everyone, to the Author Revolution podcast. Once again, I'm your host, international best-selling indie author, Carissa Andrews, and CEO of Author Revolution, the author source for all things rapid releasing. Now, before we get started, I would like to mention that this episode is brought to you by my new rapid release series, The Windhaven Witches. The month of June is dedicated to my Apple iBooks users, and I have set the goal of hitting 500 pre-orders by the end of this month. So far, we're about 10% of the way there, sitting at 50. So it's a great start, but still a long shot from the 500 with only a couple weeks left to go. If you're an Apple device user, I would love for you to check out Secret Legacy, book one of the Windhaven Witches series. It's currently just 99 cents during the pre-order phase, and 50% of all royalties for the year of 2020 are being donated to the American Cancer Society. If you've already pre-ordered your copy, first of all, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Second of all, can you help me out by sharing a link to the Apple iBooks location? I would be so eternally grateful. Plus, it would be such a wonderful way to be able to let me know that you care enough to be able to share. Okay, so with all of that being said, we're getting ready to start this week's episode off right. Are you ready? Well, of course you are. We put this chat on the back burner for a while now, and it's time we shed a little bit of light on it. If you're a new author or someone who is new to rapid releasing, you might be wondering if book covers really play all that big of a role in things. I mean, after all, we're doing things rather quickly, so are book covers even really a thing? So if this sounds like you, I want to ask you a question. When you get in the mood for a really good movie or a book, what's the thing you do first when you go hunting for one? Or perhaps maybe a better question would be, what's the first thing that grabs your attention when you're already searching? It probably isn't the book synopsis or the movie or book blurb, right? It's going to be the cover. Here's why. We are visual animals. In fact, a study by 3M of all places suggests that we rely a whopping 90% on the visual information that's thrown at us. The remaining 10% of information is processed by the brain from our other four senses. So to take this a step further, humans actually process a visual image 60,000 times faster than text. Images, and in this case book covers, when done right, can immediately set the mood, genre, and atmosphere for a reader. It can let them know that they're in the right place and get them hyped up to learn more and actually move on to check out that book blurb. So when done poorly though, it still sets a mood, a perceived genre and atmosphere, but rather than having your readers gravitate toward your book, they're going to be swiping left. Not good. (laughs) None of this is going to change just because you choose to rapid release a series or put out multiple series. If anything, it becomes paramount. When you increase your publishing velocity, some of the promotional hype that you would be putting together for a normal release might fall to the wayside. So this means you might have to rely more heavily on your ad spend to get the word out. And when this is the case, it means your book cover design becomes the most important advertising asset you have. Each book cover in your series can quite literally make or break your profitability. So before I get too far, I want to talk about the main objectives of a good book cover design. That way, we can get clear on why this idea is so important. So number one, a book cover, when done right, needs to catch your reader's attention fast. Like I mentioned already, you have seconds to catch the attention of your ideal reader. We are visual animals, three seconds and they're gone. 
Your cover needs to be a good balance between fitting into your genre and standing out. And we'll talk a little bit more on this in just a second. Number two, it needs to be genre specific. Quite possibly, this is actually the number one role a cover should play because it's also how you catch your reader's attention. Many authors, myself included, think that they need their cover to stand out in their genre, and in doing so, it needs to be completely different. As it turns out, though, nothing could be further from the truth, and I can tell you this from experience. When I first launched the Pandamas Chronicles, all three books had a different cover, as did my book Oracle. But the longer I was in this game, the clearer my perception of my genre got. This made it easier to spot where I was going wrong and how I could actually fix it. When I relaunched my covers in April of 2018, my sales tripled, guys, tripled, and went from averaging about $100 a month for the past six months across all four of those books to averaging over $300 a month in just two months, I made up that entire $600 budget. That's also when my book got picked up by Amazon to be a prime reading category for, for Panamas. That was fantastic. That's the power of a genre-specific cover. And I'll tell you what, I will likely be redesigning all of them again soon because that's something that we can do to change things up and to really reignite our readers and to get new readers on board. Number three, though, it sets the tone for their expectations. Within your genre, you can set the mood and the tone of your story. So for example, my Windhaven Witches series, while being a fantasy-based title or fantasy-based series, it's actually darker. Another thing I've done differently with this series, at least for my list run, is that while I've opted to veer away from having a fantasy genre as my competition, it means that I've had to pick a different place to be able to go up against, right? So Instead, I've modeled my covers off of what the New York Times bestseller list seems to be veering towards when it comes to their picks and the, and the titles that they vet. Now, remember, the New York Times is actually a curated list. So if I want to have any chance of being able to grab their attention, then I'm going to need to make sure that I'm fitting in with what they're already liking. Now, there's nothing to say I won't redesign the titles again next year. But for now, I want to stick as close to something you could see on their list as possible. However, I've used a dark, gothic-looking wallpaper as a background. I've tipped my hat toward the fantasy genre by including a font that has been seen across the fantasy spectrum, and it's going like gangbusters right now. I chose a single item as a representation for my story, and each one of them is in red. Now, all of these things are deliberate choices. Not only does this make it easier for readers to see the series belongs together, but it sets a tone that something sinister could be afoot. Now, number four, a good book cover develops your author branding. Your covers are an extension of your author platform and your author brand. The more you write, the more coverage you'll collect under your belt. Readers will start to look through your backlist to see if you have others that they want to dive into. And if your covers relay a vibe for your author branding that is consistent with what they've already read, they're likely to dive into all of those past books. But if the covers seem to hop around a bit too much or diverge into a completely separate type of genre, they might not go for those titles, even if they are the same genre. So at that point, you need to really consider if it's worth reinvesting in new covers for a redesign, or maybe ask yourself if some of the other books that are not as uh, to market are better suited under a different pen name. And that's always a choice as well, because then you can build out a second 
list of groups, a second list of titles under a different pen name that is more suited to getting exposure for that particular series or that particular book. Because when you cross diverge too far from a main genre, the readers aren't the same. And the people, uh, the competition author-wise that you're going to be trying to get noticed for, they are not the same either. And so you want to make sure that it is a branding aspect that really screams what it is that you are and who it is you write for. Now look, overall, the important takeaway here is that bad covers really turn readers away from a good book and mediocre covers can have them scrolling by without even taking any notice at all. So both of these options are obviously less than ideal. But here's the thing. When we first start out, funds are limited. Believe me, I understand. When I wrote Panamas, I was on the verge of a divorce. When I wrote Polarities and Revolutions, I had just had my youngest son. The divorce and remarriage was over, but the financial turmoil from the divorce was still hitting hard. Plus, I'd been laid off from my full-time job just two months before I gave birth. So money wasn't just tight, it was non-existent. For the longest time, I have been a one-woman show out of utter necessity. Scraping together 20 bucks for a single promo was actually a scary thing in times gone past. I kid you not. So if you're in this place and you're wondering how on earth you're going to get a cover designed for your book or series that's up to snuff, let me just say this. You will always start where you're at and improve when you can. While it might not be ideal, you can still learn a lot from putting your book out there with the best available cover that you have for now. In fact, I encourage you to do so. You will not profit by waiting until conditions improve. You won't get better as an author either. It's a lot easier to rebrand a series down the road when you have more funds and more insight than it is to wait and pay a ton to a designer, but still lack the knowledge necessary to do better. You'll be just throwing money away and that's not good. If you are both technologically inclined and have a creative eye, one option for you though, when you first get started, is to design the covers yourself. Now, this is coming with a caveat because I am a graphic designer by trade. I went to school for it. And even with all of that, though, I can still make mistakes. I can get cocky and think I have things right, but then I miss my mark because I'm going based off of what I want, what I think I want, and I'm not thinking as much about my ideal reader. So if I can do it, trust me, you can still do it too. However, With all of that being said, I have seen some fantastic covers come out of the amateur designers in my realm. So if you're willing to give it a go or have no other choice, let's talk about a few tips to design a cover that will still rock. All right, so tip number one is to research, research, research. You want to go into your genre to find inspiration and patterns and trends. Go out to Amazon and other book sites to dig into the bestsellers in your specific genre categories. Make note of the typography. Where are they placing the title? What fonts are they using? What colors are they using? Do they have people on the cover? And if so, what's the trend there? Is it a cover cliche that you can utilize to your advantage? Or are they leaning heavily on abstract images? Write everything down that you can spot. Not only will this help you to design something really cool, but it also helps you down the road if you find funds to be able to use some of the research to help your designer out. Number two, pick a design platform. Using all of the details you've previously collected, I want you to start working on your cover. Now, obviously I use Photoshop for my covers. Maybe it's not obvious, but it seems like it is to me because 
I am a designer by trade. I need to use a lot of the uh, more advanced programs for different things, including Adobe Audition, which is what I'm recording on right now. But I went to school and studied design on these Adobe products, so I'm very familiar with them. But if you are not a designer, you could also be using places like Canva or Bookbrush or another site of your choice. And all of them have fantastic ways to be able to use these things. You can customize pretty much anything you need to do on both of those sites. Bookbrush is a little bit more geared toward authors and it gives you a lot more advanced tools when it comes to social sites and social promoting later on, including um, box sets and things like that. But Canva is also really good too. It just, it depends on the needs of what you have and how you're going to be planning on using the platform later. All right, so once you've picked your platform, I want you to make sure that as you're designing, you are always keeping your genre in mind. The number one thing you want to keep in the forefront of your mind is making sure that it looks like it belongs there. Yes, you want to match it and have everything look like it should already be in there. And I get it. Most authors want their books to look like they stand out on their own, like we talked about earlier. But you don't want to defy all of your genre standards in order to do so. Don't worry about those cliches. Your design is what actually matters. In fact, in my research and in, in the years of doing this, I've actually found that many cliches when it comes to covers end up being the exact thing that helps your book slide into bestseller status. Yes, even your rapid release title. So if you'd like to check out some cover cliches just to learn what they are, I'll link to a BuzzFeed article with some really great ones. All right, so number four, as you're designing, you have to make sure that you're including all of your must-haves. Depending on what you're doing, if it's the front cover, you're going to want to make sure is your title there, your subtitle, your series name, your author name, uh, is everything placed with your imagery in where you want it to be? Do you have any kind of overlays or things that are going to give them a special look? On the back cover, do you have a spot for your ISBN and barcode? Do you have your book blurb on the back of your cover? On your spine, do you have your title? Are you able to have a title? Sometimes your book spines can be too small. And if they're too small, then you don't get to put anything on there. But I think it's anything over 100 pages, you're good to go. So you're going to need to design a spine. Most of the time it has your title and it has your author name, maybe a, a little tiny image in there too. All of those things are very important and you're going to want to make sure that you know exactly what needs to go where. Now, I would like to mention again that typography is really, really big when it comes to designing. So for those of you who don't know what typography is, it's the use of your fonts and your words in a very specific manner. So it is using it in a way that is graphically appeasing to the eye. So you're going to want to make sure that your text is clear and harmonious with the rest of your images and with your genre as a whole. So go back to those notes and take a look at the placements for all of those must-have items. Sometimes you'll see your title first and the author name underneath. Sometimes you'll see the author name as the big bold goal and then your title underneath. Maybe your title is right front and center in the middle of your page like mine is for Secret Legacy and the rest of the Windhaven stuff. It all just depends on what it is that you're trying to go for and what your genre looks like, but just make sure that you are adhering to some sort of hierarchy with your fonts and your other visual elements, because all of that tells your readers its own type of story. Another thing to be thinking about is your colors. Color sets a tone for your book as well, so use it wisely. If you're not sure about what colors to use, default to what's trending until you know better. Otherwise, I want you to do a search on the psychology of color. 
and design to see what combinations might work best for your book. Before you get too far, be sure to test your cover, your mock-up cover at different sizes too. Keep in mind that there are some cases where a book cover will be viewed in a thumbnail format, like on Amazon, for example. So make sure as much as possible is clear, even at a very small size. So things like your book, whatever is actually most important to you. If it's your author name, then make sure that people can read it in that little tiny thumbnail. And if it's your book title that's most important, make sure that they can read that when it goes down to and shrinks into that smaller size. Another set of miscellaneous design tips that I'd like to be able to put out there. Your images, when they are meant for screens, so anything that's going to be up on a website of any kind, whether it be Amazon, your website, uh, social media, anything like that, all those files need to be built using a color standard called RGB. That's red, green, blue. That is the way that our screens are designed. And your file is going to need to be set at 72 DPI. It's a lower resolution image, but the reason for it is that our screens don't require such a saturated dot per inch. That's what DPI stands for. And we're able to view it in a pretty clear image just using the 72 DPI. However, you cannot use a 72 DPI RGB file as a print file. It won't print right. It won't look good. It'll rasterize and look all like pixelated. It'll look like your book, book title is part of Minecraft. You don't want that. You want print covers designed using a four color process called CMYK. That's cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. It's a print standard that's been around forever. And you want to have your resolution set to 300 DPI. And 300 is a much higher resolution. And the reason for that is so that the print clarity is there. So if you've never designed a print cover, don't forget that you are going to also need to be designing that spine and your back cover. KDP and IngramSpark both give you downloadable templates as soon as you know how many pages your book has, and it makes it very easy to go ahead and just design everything together. But don't, don't forget you're designing in a three-dimensional image, okay? So when you get that template and they have the, the little barcode spot on the first page and then you have your spine in the second page, that first page is actually your back cover because you, you have to wrap it around the entire book. So first page is back cover, spine. Second page is actually your front cover. Number six, get feedback from readers in your genre. Whether this is your first rodeo or your 10th, be sure to ask feedback from your readers or from readers of your genre to see what they think of your cover. There are Facebook groups that are great for this. Just search out book cover design and a bunch will pop up, trust me. Um, otherwise, ask your own readers if you have a, a list or if you have a Facebook group or anything like that. Incorporate any changes and feedback from people when it appears that there's a trending situation happening in those comments. So if you get a few random comments that you don't necessarily agree with, but no one else is saying, hey, yeah, that I agree with that, then it could just be a personal preference and let it go. But if you see multiple people with the same gripe, it might be time to do a little bit of tweaking. Okay, so what if you do have a little bit of cash and you're okay with hiring a designer? So for those of you with that money at your disposal, or maybe who don't have a creative bone in your body, you're going to want to hire out that cover designer. So this could be a friend, as long as they know a thing or two about designing. But if 
you want to earn a little more money, I would recommend treating this like the investment it is and definitely hiring someone who really understands the market and knows what they're doing. This means getting professional recommendations by other authors in your genre to see what names pop up. Then do a little digging and and reach out to some of them for quotes. So here are a few tips that I want you to consider as you venture out into the cover designer hiring path. Number one, before anything else, know your budget beforehand. If you only have, let's say $150 for a cover, it gives you a very clear boundary on who you can contact. Many designers will list their prices right on their website or on their Facebook group, wherever you might find them. So do yourself a favor and only reach out to the designers who are in your budget range because it will save you a lot of heartache and it will save them a lot of heartache too. Number two, once you have a couple of contenders, I want you to go through and flip through their portfolio to see if they have titles that are matching your genre. This will let you know whether or not they're capable of doing a good job on yours. And if they do pretty work, but none of the covers match your genre space, I'm sorry, you're going to have to keep looking because just because they know how to design a really great thriller cover and you write fantasy, it doesn't mean they're going to do a good job with your fantasy cover. Trust me. You want someone who is used to designing in your specific genre. All right, so number three, contact them to see what their timeline is. So if your designer doesn't list their turnaround time on their website, it's time to shoot them an email or a Facebook message to ask them. Ask them about those turnaround times and if there are any other questions that you have left lingering once you've already checked through their website. So for example, if you're a designer like me and you want to have the Photoshop files afterwards, how much would something like that cost? Would I be able to have access to them and be able to make changes or alterations to them without having any problems? Things like that. So here's another little tip when you contact them. Notice how they communicate. Are they fast? Are they pleasant? Are they terse? Straight to the point. However they connect with you as a prospect is totally important because if they're not cool up front, they'll likely be a pain in the backside down the road, no matter who thinks how awesome they are. So find someone that you can work with and who's fun to be around. Just like when we were talking about co-authoring, these folks could be along with you for the long haul. So you want to have a good working relationship and one where it feels like it's not a big pain in the butt and where you have that open door policy and you can communicate pretty easily. All right, so number four, create an inspiration folder for them. I'm actually in the process of doing this right now for my cover designer who I'm going to be hiring first time doing a big cover design hire, even though I'm a cover designer and I can do this myself, I don't have the time. So I'm reaching out and I am in the process of creating a, an inspiration folder for him so that he, he knows exactly what it is I'm looking for and the vibe that I'm going for. Because great designs, they don't happen in a bubble. And if you want to keep your designer happy, as well as satisfy some of your own visual creativity, you're going to want to come up with that inspiration folder for them. So this should include anything that you want for sure on the cover. So if you have a list of items, people, stances, uh, typography, whatever the case might be, your book blurb, backstory on characters that you want them to know about that might be able to help them kind of come up with something creative, all of that stuff. Plenty of other covers too in your genre that you admire. You want to put that all into that folder. And this gives your designer a good baseline 
for what it is that you're expecting from him or her and also gives them a place to springboard from. Because sometimes when you're starting with a new author or a new art project and you don't have a lot to go on, it can be almost daunting to get started. I mean, you know this, guys. When you're when you're trying to write your next scene and you haven't even visualized it yet and you haven't created an outline, how much harder is it than when you have already gone through and done the work and figured out exactly what direction is is happening next and and where to go? It's uh, so much easier when you have just that little bit of inspiration. All right, so number 5, give them creative license. This is a word from the wise. Don't micromanage their creativity. Give them the inspiration and then hand over creative license. Oftentimes, what they come up with will be more incredible than you have ever imagined, especially if you do hire a designer who knows your genre. But if they do do a poor job, I want you to call them on it. I did have a designer I was going to try to work with once, and they literally plucked a stock photo, slapped my title on, no thought or effort, at all went into it and it showed. And obviously as a designer, I could spot that right away, found the images, it was not a a good thing. So I wasn't about to let that slide for a $500 cover. Needless to say, I got my refund and had a different designer help. All that happens. But know that most of the time, if you can provide the details to trigger their imagination, they will pull through for you. Number six, make sure you communicate with your designer which covers you need. You might be going, what, Carissa? What in the world? Obviously, I need a cover. Obviously, I'm going to need to tell them what I'm doing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually meaning file types. You need to make sure that you know exactly which kind of file types you're going to be expecting from them. For example, your ebook front cover, whether it be Kindle or, or an EPUB cover, whatever. Do you need a paperback cover? Because that requires your back cover and your uh, spine. Are you doing a hardcover through like Ingram Spark? Are you doing a dust jacket? All of those have different requirements. And last but not least is obviously an audiobook. Or if you're doing even a box set, actually, come to think of it, there's one more. So whatever it is that you're looking for, you're going to need to make sure that you communicate very effectively what types of covers you're looking for within the budget that you're giving them. Because each one of them is different, and each one of them requires a certain amount of work and effort. So while each cover, after the initial design is is done, it's easier, they all have their own little touch points and file needs, and you can't fake that, and you can't just resize and hope that it does fine. And I can tell you from experience, the initial front cover design, that, that main basis, and then the full paperback cover, both require a lot of work. And then generally, the audiobook is like, Easy peasy, no problem. That one just like slides together in a matter of minutes. But all of those things require thought and effort and time. And you have to make sure that you understand and value your graphic designer's time when they are developing all of those. Now, as important as covers are, as an indie author, I think we're really special because we have this advantage over traditionally published authors. If we test out a cover and it doesn't seem to be converting readers, we can just go ahead and rebrand fairly quickly. You can always hire a new designer to come up with something new or do it yourself. So don't ever feel like this is a complete make or break situation. Sometimes we won't know if it'll work until it's even been tested. So while I know it's not overly encouraging when you're investing so much time or money, keep in mind that getting it out there is still going to be better than letting it just sit on your computer because otherwise you're making zero dollars. Plus every sale, 
every impression, every person you get to look at your book is another reader who could potentially be a super fan down the road. And they'll talk about, I remember the time when your book cover looked like XYZ, or some of them will even tell you about how they actually like the original cover better. I get that all the time with the Pandama stuff. It's weird, but it wasn't converting. So I know better, like logistically on paper with numbers that that was not the case with everyone. All right. I hope this was helpful. I hope you were able to get some actionable items that you're able to take away and put to use right away on your book covers. The bottom line here is yes, covers are still important. Even if you're a rapid release author, if you're rapid releasing a new series, every single cover needs to portray your story's essence and ignite the imagination of your ideal reader. Now, don't forget, if you want to go back over all of the information we've covered here and download the transcript or find any of the links that we discussed today, you can go ahead and grab them by heading over to the show notes at authorrevolution.org forward slash 34. Next week, I want to talk a bit about when it's time to cut a series loose. Does such a time ever exist? And how do you know if you should abandon a series to take on a new one? All right, guys, as a final reminder, this podcast episode is sponsored by my upcoming series, The Windhaven Witches. Please check out Secret Legacy on Apple Books if you have an Apple device to help me reach that 500 Apple pre-orders in June. If you don't have an Apple device, don't worry, it's available on pretty much every other platform out there. No matter where you pre-order it, you can rest assured that your purchase helps by donating to the American Cancer Society. Well, my friend, that's all I have for you today. Have a fantastic week full of writerly endeavors. Until next time, go forth and start your own author revolution.